Live from the Stone Age, it's the Clan Fire, a primordial podcast about playing Gia, a prehistoric campaign setting for 5th edition. I'm Adam. I'm Finn. I'm Avalon. I'm Dan. And tonight's topic is the classes who best embody the kinetic action of playing Gia. We're talking the Martians, our focused fighters, scavenging rogues, ascetic monks, and of course, our dear barbarians. Before we hop into our main discussion for the night, we usually have a news section, but right now we're in this kind of limbo waiting for uh, the digital copy of Plangea to come out in all of its glory. Um, Atlas is going to be providing that to us sometime soon. It's kind of up in the air, but it'll be soon TM. Um, so bef- while we're waiting for that, we thought we'd entertain you with a discussion on martial quests. So why don't we just hop right into the discussion? I want to start out with the most emblematic class of of uh, prehistoric uh you know sword and sorcery which is the barbarian how do we see the barbarian in plangia and how do we feel like it fits in well to the setting anyone want to start us off um i can i can take this uh so i as you said it's like kind of the thing that you picture um most when you think about like prehistoric stone punk and um, you know, David, ha- uh, who is unfortunately not here uh, this evening, but he's uh, he's gone a lot into how uh, Plangia is very clearly supposed to be. No, no, no. This isn't like free intelligence, like hit thing hit things with rock uh, setting. It's a bunch of really smart, capable individuals who yeah. are uh, restricted by the nature of the world and the black taboos. Um, so you got, you, you've got your like really intelligent, uh, your, your casters and you've got your, your cunning rogues, but you still do have your like me mad, me hit things with stick. Um, and it's, it's just a great like way to, to, to take, so it's like a great starting point to get into the setting. If you're like, I don't know how I'm going to really, uh, immerse myself into the vibe of Stonepunk because, uh, so much of the stereotypical or the archetypical um, barbarian is uh, you look at stuff like Conan the Barbarian, stuff like that, where it's like it is kind of prehistoric or low tech, and barbarians just fit right into Plangia. So it's it's like a very easy uh, the 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 lore is built in. It does is, feel like you could introduce someone to the setting by saying, "Why don't you just play a barbarian?" Right. <laughs> Like that would be the easy way in to like onboard like someone. Almost. Also, play, like barbarians get more interesting in Plangia because, like, sure it's an archetype, but because like it's Plangia, your barbarian isn't like be just because they're a barbarian and they have that kind of rage and primal aspect can't really define their character anymore. Like, like everyone in Plangia at some level has that kind of primal aspect so how do you make your barbarian really like push out that kind of kinetic action um is like i think it gets more interesting because instead of just like kind of leaning and as a crutch on the trope you can kind of see how much farther you can take it because you're surrounded in a world of people like you um like where barbarians i think i feel like they're probably one of the more common um and maybe that isn't true but like how do you make your barbarians stand out amongst like a huge primal landscape 
and I get that. That's an interesting point you bring up there, Ava, of like, how common are would barbarians be? And and in theory, like, obviously, player characters are always exceptional, right? That's kind of the idea behind uh, fifth edition's kind of, you know, mythos is that like, you know, no matter what, a player character is going to be like, not not a common no, no random common person can just become as powerful as a player character usually. But uh, it does feel like barbarians kind of like come out of this primal land and they're kind of forged by the uh, the nature of the land and how brutal it is and how much you need just like big, strong people to get in the way of these predators, to get in the way of these people who are trying to, you know, fight for every scrap, that sort of thing. Uh, it does feel like that they would show up more, right? Like <laughs> that they would definitely be kind of more integral in, in part of the mythos to actually have that person who's there to get angry, <laughs> to yeah. get in the way of things. And also with less, I mean, just like a quick note, with less heavy armor and that being so much more difficult to make, Barbarian becomes kind of like, almost like a paladin or what we call a guardian um, in that they can kind of fill that role. Something that I find interesting, uh, and, talk, uh, and, and Ava, you touched on this one saying, like, you can't just be the mad person. Um, you do definitely have to kind of carve your your identity out more than just a barbarian, if playing a barbarian. Because if you're thinking, like, a uh, person dressed in, like, leather, uh, no, low-tech, hitting things with their weapons, that's, in plain view, that's, that's, a, that's just a fighter. Or, or well, like, a anyone, rogue. Like, kind of, yeah. all the low-tech kind of uh oh we don't you know coming from some uh some place where there isn't like the modern comforts of society that that's every that's like the entirety of plain g is like that like there's well-developed areas there's there's very there's populous cities with their own culture and uh stone punk technology but fundamentally there's a much there's much less separating the people who have the bare minimum and people who have like the fanciest most high-tech gear because none of it's metal it's it's there there's you barbarians get to be a lot more i'm a unique character and not just i'm the mad one yeah they do focus on the character as a person and sort of their journey rather than as being the sort of archetypical uh, angry person hitting things with a big weapon. Like, that definitely is part of it. You can't get away from that. That's the class. Um, but the description of the class is, and sort of the the questions that, that are written into character creation for Barbarian, um, there's, there's a lot of emotional intelligence there in terms of uh, just like talking about sort of like where your anger came from, how your character uses it, and why. Um, there, there's one. Uh, I believe David describes it as a river of rage, um, and it's sort of there's this idea of choosing to sort of go with your anger and just give into it, or sort of swim against the current. And uh, you know, try to 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 put a tamper on it, and try to like, bot like basically like bottle the anger and only try to use it when you have to use it. Um, and and there's 
there's a lot of stuff there that can sort of not necessarily like shape a campaign but you can write in a lot of different like just personal character goals and there are a lot of ways to think about how an adventure and sort of like as as your barbarian experiences different things and in fights and you know bonds with their party members how that would sort of influence their own views on what they are capable of and it's 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 very uh surprisingly so uh you can get pretty deep into the head of your character when barbarian is usually a sort of the regarded as a class where you don't need to think too deeply about that sort of stuff and you can just get mad and hit things i i totally agree i love what david's done with the kind of leaning into rage it's i mean it's it's an interesting feature and everyone's like oh yeah it's kind of the, i have this funny way i rage or something but thinking about kind of the implications of that in a story way for your character can be so interesting i love he has this line i, I looked it up as you were talking about it the line in it are you pursuing your anger nurturing it and cultivating it or are you seeking to find peace what initially ignited your anger and is it something that can ever be set to rest which i think is fascinating of like having a goal as a player to like kind of actually retire your character because eventually you're like, Oh no. Yeah. Like they, they aren't angry anymore. They're no longer a barbarian. Like they, they don't need to do that. Or just having some goal in mind for where that anger leads you. Cause right. I mean, in theory, you can tell a really fascinating story about like, you know, giving into your anger, of course, but it's also like, there's so much space there for, kind of this like you were saying this emotional intelligence of like i'm aware of that what i'm doing is potentially not good for me and uh you know mentally or physically and so maybe you want to change that about yourself maybe you are looking to see if you can get some people who can help you get out of that rut you're stuck in or something but right uh, right I and, love and, and yeah and there's this just all the different directions that you can go with, with it are super cool um just just those few questions and sort of uh positioning it in that way and really like honing in on thinking about like where your anger comes from and and sort of why and asking all those character questions sort of makes you think more about you know if if you want to it makes you think more about you know who your character was how they fit into the world um, it, it offers, yeah, it offers a lot of uh, versatility and just uh, differing directions when it comes to uh, increasing your sort of depth of character. I love it. Okay, well, I think we've done a good bit on barbarians so far, and we'll definitely loop back around to barbarians uh, in our second second segment um we'll also maybe try to mention a bit about our own subclass or barbarians of far striker um but we'll get to that when we're talking about more like mechanics and things that will come up in actual play with barbarians. but let's move on to fighters for now um you know long regarded as kind of the go up and hit people class but i think they do really have this place in playing geo where I you know I mentioned kinetic action earlier of like you know the pillar in plain Gia that's ideally going to evoke the idea of everything in motion of things constantly being like physical and very um, 
not necessarily always violent, but yeah, very, very violent a lot of the time. And so the people who are best at that, classically, in in five E play, are fighters. They are classically the best at getting up and hitting stuff. Um, and I and I always think of the uh, the battle master fighter as being kind of this this you know has a lot of options and can always like outthink their enemy and like do these cool maneuvers. And I, I always love the idea of thinking of the intelligent fighter in Plangia and like really making all these cool moves and doing these kind of these these like you know you're you're kind of tricking your enemy you're outthinking them you're like tricking the beast or you're you're just going up and just whacking the shit out of them because sometimes that's just the play too um so what do we think about uh fighters in their place in Plangia? so fighters are always the um like the everyman kind of class um and as a result, yeah, you can, you have if you, if there's somebody who's uh, and, and obviously a fighter, uh, especially with like you know the the stat array someone would get from like the standard array or something like that. The stats in five E would would support that this person is extraordinary, but they are extraordinary in not the oh I cast magic or oh I do all these other metaphysical things. It's just kind of like you have honed your craft to uh, something. Fant- something uh, fantastic uh, or something exceptional and your craft happens to be just battle. And uh, those are, like we talk about, we've talked in previous episodes about how like important a clan's shaman is or how important uh, uh, or like the roles that spell, can, spell skins have in impacting the uh, like the, the, the growth and development of knowledge in Plangia. But the fighter is the one who's like. There's going to be more fighters than anybody else. There's going to be. They're going to be the ones who are like the person who's out leading, like the hunting party, or uh, the one who is like, oh, if there's a if there's a battle between clans um, or any sort any sort of warfare, you're going to have more fighters than any, than anything else. And sure, other classes can fill those roles, but in the absence of like something specific, you're generally going to have like many of the. I'm the person who fights. I'm a fighter. Um, and as a result, there's a lot of, and this is true of 5e in general, but as a fighter, there's so much room to be like, you're good at fighting. What else are you? What what are you? And you can just be great at fighting, or you. there's so much room to, to build on that blank slate. Yeah. And that's a good point that, like, when you think about, um, I actually love some of the backgrounds that are in the book that are these cool like kind of roles in the tribe basically is what they're mostly kind of embodying in my mind um which end up showing you like all these things that you can do that aren't just kind of fighting or just just uh you know walking around you know doing these weird roles that you can actually like have all of these uh people in the tribe that do things that aren't uh you know what you'd normally think of for you know you could have people who uh what's the one role it's the like uh caretaker or something like you could be the person like guarding the the like elderly and the children in the in the tribe you could be the person who like you're saying goes out and hunts or leads that that hunting hunting group you could be the person who um kind of scouts and just finds the next uh spot for a a migrating tribe to be able to set up camp 
all these sorts of roles that you can kind of fill as long as you're able-bodied, essentially. And that's what fighters are, is they're, you know, they're proficient. They're able-bodied enough to go and protect people, to go and fight the things that need to be fought. So I think there's a lot of room there for sure. More uh, thoughts on the fighters, or are they simple enough? <laughs> it, it's sometimes difficult to talk simple. about. Yeah, it, it's almost hard to kind of say a lot about fighters because. Yeah, they kind of can be anything. Then we've kind of said most of what we can <laughs> say on it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, yeah, to we that can point, definitely. Oh, go ahead. To that point, um, David writes. Uh, <laughs> There is a certain straightforwardness to the fighter that cannot be denied in any world. You may speak over their kind, here is the one who takes a blade and carves the world. What more or less needs to be said in their praise? Um, <laughs> and, 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 and It's a great it's, line. <laughs> I, think, I think it's, it's yeah, it's the, the meta stuff is, is fantastic. But uh, The commentary from the Star Shaman, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean that's fair. What what more does need to be said? They they do their their job and they do it right. So if that's <laughs> if that's all that needs to be said, then you know it seems like they're doing something right. Um, fair enough. Well, okay. Then I think if we're at that point where we've said basically all there needs to be said about barbarians and actually a little bit a good bit about fighters as well, uh, let's just actually move on to the other two classes that we have to talk about for today, the mar other martial classes we have to talk about, um, the ascetics and the scavengers, which are, you know, monks and uh, rogues in, in 5e speak, but we call them ascetics and scavengers. Uh, the ascetics being uh, the monks have a very unique role, it feels like, in Pelagia. Um, and I know, I know that Finn loves his monks, so maybe he can start us off. I feel like he's actually started us off on most of these, but the ascetic is definitely his uh, his baby here. Although I guess Let, let's let's uh, let's do something unexpected. And yeah, I did that. I did the. I started off everything else. Somebody else, somebody else talk about aesthetics. Fair. Aesthetics. I will. That's such a difficult word. It is a hard word. <laughs> Don't know if this is in the current doc, but in the very first oh, doc geez. of Langia, um, there is this really interesting bit. <laughs> about them being like the kind of underside of fighters um like where fighters lead the hunting band and like bring out everyone to hunt down this beast um the monks or aesthetics uh kind of retreat almost from their clan and you know walk home bringing the tiger on their back um but i think it's interesting the idea of them not having sects um, like the idea of shut up. Sorry. <laughs> let's 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 get a re-record of that later. Like I know what you're saying, but your mic cut out. I just yeah. the mo like you had a little mic that's, artifact that it was yeah, unambiguously not what you were saying. They are. Okay. Yeah. They I are, mean, that's yeah. also true. They are celibate. That is true. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. They practice self-denial. They practice self-denial. That's the whole thing okay. about Oh my god. Okay. I, okay. Anyway. Self-denial of virginity. Oh, let's not go into this. <laughs> no, that's not. Any, anyway. Um, them not having like this is the discipline of X thing makes them really interesting. I think like the idea of instead of having like great like faction of the mountain who trains like 80 million disciples and this one is really good at it um it's just more a personal thing you're saying right it's like you have your own kind of journey um and you kind of like almost 
are exploring the limits of your body, but on your own, um, which I don't know. I think it makes them more interesting. I think it makes it more interesting to play like discovering what you can do versus and like filling that fighter role, but in a very different way compared to like, you know, having the great virtuous faction of the mountain who sends you out to do whatever business you're doing in the world. So basically um, you like that there isn't like a an accepted way that like you're right, supposed exactly. to follow. And this, instead it's this, well, uh, do it how, how it feels right. But, <laughs> you know, generally uh, follow, you know, your, your intuition, I guess. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think that this is it's it's also good just uh and this is more of like a meta uh a meta commentary on the 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 kind of like creative direction that uh playing Gia but also 5e uh TTRPGs in general and more just like media in general. Uh there's a lot of cool uh Wuxia fantasy in media, but I think that a lot of the old like the the original inspirations of the the monk as it exists in uh published uh like 5e and stuff like that. There's a lot of dated like you know magical oriental uh magical oriental uh warrior in that and well, of course, there's a there's a ton of fantastic uh, history and literature and some wonderful stories that are very much like what some people picture when they think of like the old school monk. It's a lot. It, it's a lot of. It's very reductive. And in yeah. the past couple of years, decades, people have been like, "Hey, maybe let's." Uh, it's it's like the whole thing with orcs and drow and being like, "Hey, maybe we should rethink that," and <laughs> letting it be like, "Oh, okay, are you?" Are you a fighter? You're like whatever an everyman. Oh, do you do your martial arts? Well, you're in like this mountain, uh, this this like mountain village that's like totally not just like uh, uh, some uh, monastery right out of like generic China. So uh, it's really cool that there's a focus on self discipline and some self denial, but really just like an an internal uh, strong code of conduct and that's where the, the 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 power and the abilities of the aesthetic in Plangia comes from it's a much more it can be there can be like a school just as there can be a barbarian school but it's a much more personal decision and it just happens to be fighting mostly unarmed but various like martial arts adjacent martial arts features and not the the old like you have your 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 person with their shaved head in their in their robes um so there's I think that a lot of the the flavor, the built-in flavor that Plangia stripped away from the monk in making it in the aesthetic is good, both from a, like a creative standpoint and also just like a like dropping some baggage standpoint, which I which is just you know not to, I, well, Dave is not here, so it's not even patting patting ourselves on the back. It's just you know it's a good direction to take. By no means are we the first, but it's it's good that yeah. to kind of break away from that. Oh, no matter what, yes, definitely. Um, it also is just a really nice thing almost because it, it actually allows you to get more creative with how you think of your aesthetic, um, right? It, it allows you to kind of explore more of how that kind of embodies itself in the world. Like you don't kind of, you don't get stuck in that kind of like uh, stereotypical or 
um, too kind of reductive uh, idea of what a monk could be, you can kind of go all in on the thing. Like you can you can observe that they are kind of all about self denial, and then be like, oh. Uh, maybe my guy doesn't wear clothes. <laughs> maybe right, like that's that's weird. But that I could see that for for a monk to be like, oh, I, I am going to reduce myself to the, the primal level. I'm going to deny myself the comfort of normal clothes. But remember, when like you that. commission art for that character, you're just going to have to some have some strategically placed like branches and leaves. Yeah, that's true. That's, <laughs> that makes it a lot more difficult. That's true. I think uh, I think this is a exclusively valid and plain Gia concept. No, hundred percent. There's there's a lot of stuff that is a bit like almost comically over the top in a normal setting. Where in plain Gia, it's like, no, you can be like, yeah, we're just stripping it down to the bare bones. That fully makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Yeah, that tracks. All of that. All of that actually lines up with exactly how that would would work out in plain Gia. So. Something that uh, that struck me from earlier, when like right way back at the beginning, when we started talking about uh, monks, uh, Ava said that they're sort of like the underside of fighter. Um, and well, fighter is sort of in any setting, fighter is sort of like the everyman. Um, aesthetics also sort of fall into that. They are uh, they are also that sort of anyone can do this um but they also lean into the ideas that anyone can do this and like it, talent alone won't you know talent alone won't make you an ascetic like there is something you have to sacrifice there is something you have to give up there is a level of uh denial and discipline that you need to develop as just a person um in order to sort of get to the point where you are able to have class levels in monk um and i i really sort of like the idea that it's the uh it's the acknowledgement that hard work is can be equivalent or can be greater than sheer talent which is a uh which is a trope and a truth about life that i I, I agree with. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the other thing I really like about the idea of that, like, I, I have this idea in my head that, um, you know, it, well, yes, there is a point about, you know, monks aren't like, the ascetics aren't like walking around with like the classic, like, sort of, uh, sort of that, that, asiatic themed uh, attire and clothing and like uh, appearance with like the the shaved heads and whatnot um but i'd like to think that like ascetics can sort of like recognize each other in the wild like there's like just something about the way someone who has there's a sacrificed sense. a lot Oh, oh, I deprive myself of washing. I can recognize oh, no. my fellow wait, aesthetics. No, wait, oh, no. I don't. I don't. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's thieves' camp for aesthetics. It's just something. <laughs> I recognize this person. It's something. Something about them. They're covered in mud. <laughs> hmm. Weird. Hmm. That's wonderful. Oh, that's horrific. Um, Mr. Crab, what I going think on about the schmill. <laughs> I think that that recognition is definitely there. 
Um, also, like, I don't know. I think there could be people who are aesthetics that don't know their aesthetics, but and that but you can recognize the like whatever we want to call it. I don't know if we're still calling it. You cheap, recognize that... their aesthetic. Oh. <laughs> There it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's awesome. But no, I, I I get what you're saying, Ava. There's it's the 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 naming key obviously like inspires a certain flavor, but you don't need to you know you don't need to explicitly call it that. Um, you the way that your own self discipline and uh, just the, the 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 internal strength that one cultivates does not need to manifest in remotely the same yeah. way outside of certain specific mechanical uh elements and that that's definitely true like it uh if you if you if you um weren't like if you there, there's a lot of feature overlap like oh is that flurry blows or is that action surge uh and you know if you break it down a little closer you're like oh i know what, what it's doing are you doing this uh are you doing this as a bonus action or are you doing yeah sure some stuff that's like this is how it breaks breaks down in game but there is a lot of, particularly in Plangia, when a lot of the the, the stereotypical like attire or this, that, or the other thing is broken down. Um, a lot of the the abilities that various marshals have, it's just like a, it's a reflection of the direction that they are cultivating their own strength and their own discipline. And I don't want to make any like broad uh, commentary on all marshals in general because we haven't got to you know our rogues or scavengers yet, but that is true because there are things that you can be like, you know, there's a lot of overlap between monk and fighter, or monk and barbarian, or barbarian and fighter. Yeah, th there's a lot of space there to kind of be like, oh, I I call what I have my focus or something, you know, it's it's or it's my energy. You can literally just call it energy. You don't need to call it key, like. Uh, there's there's things like that that you can retheme around uh, how you visualize that power coming into effect. You can call it your your sigh or something. I don't know, but that's yeah, I guess and, that's and as a and as a supporting point, uh, you know, for for any I don't know why anybody would disagree with that take, but because I think it's a good take, um, and people who disagree with it are wrong. No, uh, but like. If you think about like, all the different rituals and all the different things that like athletes do to bring out their best, like it varies hugely from person to person. But once they're out excelling in whatever they're doing, it it doesn't change the fact that they're like out there competing at that very very competitive level with like other like exceptional, you know, other, other people who are exceptional in their fields who get to be special. Because well, they get um, that. It, no, but, let's move to rogues. Perfect, yeah, Ava. Yeah, take us away. Yeah. Get it. Um, well, I mean, it's interesting just because, like, you could totally, I could, if I was in real life and, or DD real life, I would be like, hmm, barbarian, fighter, and monk. All of these people may, might be the same person. I don't know which one of them is what. Um, but rogues, you really, like, they have such a different, like, kind of method from all of the other marshals that wear a barbarian, a fighter, and a monk. They just don't get extra attack? Oh my god. <laughs> um, they don't. That is true. Um, but while every other marshal, in theory, you can mistake for each other, um, Rogues is like, oh, this one is weird. This one is different. They are doing weird things. Um, 
Well, I think, I mean, I obviously like that alone is kind of cool. Um, but I think the idea of rogues as like scavengers is interesting, but also rogues as not scavengers. I love, I love the scavenger archetype. Don't get me wrong. Um, but also as like informants as a million different things, because like being sneaky was always helpful and it gets more helpful. The less technology you have, like the less people who can stand on watch, the better it is to be sneaky. The, I mean, obviously there are no security cameras in regular D and D and also not in Plangia, but like, the less technology one has to defend themselves from rogues, the more rogues become really good at what they do. Um, just like as a matter of fact, because you know it just like it's easier. Life is better. Um, and so I think I think there's like actually a lot of wiggle room. But go ahead. <laughs> no, I totally get you there, especially with the technology thing where. Uh, like even just a simple thing like uh, literally lighting. <laughs> like if you don't have oil lamps everywhere, I guess you could have oil lamps everywhere. But whatever, you you get what I'm saying. Like lighting in in uh, built up places in cities potentially is less kind of consistent, or security is potentially harder to come by necessarily. Not always, and your oh, plan yeah. could have it be better, but. I can imagine a world in which you you play in Plangia and there's actually like a lot of kind of uh, vulnerabilities that rogues have become very good at kind of trying to make the best of, right? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Also, like the clan fire is huge and everyone spends like half of their day working with it at, and or not necessarily, but like it is a center of life. But otherwise, like, maintaining several fires that produce any level of light is, like, difficult. It's expensive, too. It's expensive. You have better things to do with that oil. You want to eat it. Oil is good for you. Uh, Um, It is, bro. PSA, do not drink petrol. Well, I mean, (laughs) Ava's not wrong. Ava's, I I think this is probably what Ava's getting at, but there probably isn't, like, the oil we have here IRL because there isn't the same right. like history. The oil would be oil. like oh. yeah, would have all animal like, fat fat based. Right. Uh, and that's or vegetable like, oil. you put that in the soup. Yeah. I'm hungry and the oil makes me fed. Um uh, and where are we so, going on this tangent though? Yeah, I'm so we, interested. I, I like I, I have to know. <laughs> Basically, the more you want to eat, the less good you are at defending yourself from rogues. Um and so <laughs> It becomes like a huge like organizational problem. Like you have to feed ten guards, and also they have to have light to see. How do you manage that? Are you going to anger Duru by chopping down an entire forest, or I don't know something? But it like it becomes a point of decision rather than oh well, I have my fifty-seven oil lamps that I put all around my stone castle because that's insane. Um, and so rogues can really make it like take advantage of anything there where it's like you either have less guards and more light or more light and less guards or whatever and just like finding that kind of niche it also it lets you hide better um with less light 
it's I I don't know. There's just like a lot. There's a lot more rogues can do. Especially more trees. Hide behind trees, guys. Foliage. <laughs> this was such a great like trees. weird detail tangent. That was beautiful. <laughs> into into trees. You, plain G and oil. Plain G. I was really oil. lost for a moment there, but it really tied back in together in such a way that it was like, <laughs> wow. Was, it, she was like five steps ahead this whole time. <laughs> I'm always five steps ahead. I just don't say it. Getting Sorry. away from the 57 uh, oil lanterns, um, <laughs> one of the things that uh, that gets talked about in the book for Scavenger um, is, isn't, it's something I don't actually necessarily, necessarily agree with, but it's sort of like the archetype, like sort of like the archetypal rogue, uh, archetypal, 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 yeah. archetypal rogue, um, where it's the idea of like the scavenger is the one that like preys on moments of weakness and is like the ultimate uh, you know opportunist and there's like this there's this uh this sort of this this bad reputation tied to that that style of living and you know it's seen as dishonorable or like just sort of like low and uh you're not really liked because you sort of you know get by on like stealing the spoils of other people's hard work um and i i don't necessarily think that has to be the case um i don't think all rogues have to be these sort of uh sort of like criminal background adjacent characters that are sort of on the sort of pushed further into the grayer area in terms of morality and relationship with uh, just other people and clans and like the family structures. Um, I think a scavenger could also be a, you know, could also be the sort of uh, this sort of like tactician character who is, you know, knows, you know, knows the weak spots of a monster like anatomically, or is like oh. very very good at uh, at like knowing how to strike in tandem, or That's... like in in uh, sort of like. Just, also, you know, cough, cough, swashbuckler. Uh... Perfect for that. No, but that, that what you just bring up is exactly what I'm doing with Locke, by the way. If people are watching, uh, listening to Bane of Whitewater, our actual play, that's pretty much the role I'm trying to give to him. He's playing, he's the scavenger, and yeah, he's, I mean, in some places they'd probably look down on him in, in, for some of his methods, but a lot of the time, no, he's, he's just this tactician kind of guy who, like, is very observant. He's very just like, oh, I, and know how to get between those little things because I have just like look I have a good eye for it. Yeah, and, and that's it, basically, the, and, the and that's sort of the idea is that you don't you don't necessarily have to be you know obviously like the skill set and the in your different you know the cunning action and all that stuff uh, that gives you plenty of tools to be the archety uh, archetypal you know uh, sneaky rogue running around and being like a little you know gray and stealing things and stuff, but you know it it doesn't have to be that way. And just because there is this idea uh, of, you know, even even in the book, this sort of this idea of like the scavenger being these uh, sort of very, very uh, sort of morally and sort of ethically contentious uh, group and as a class. Um, I, that definitely doesn't have to be the case. You can you can be you know a, a rogue could be a scavenger could be like 
a they could be like the oh. a lead hunter they could be you know the the one like directing other directing the rest of a hunting party and then like striking in tandem or like striking at a pivotal moment when they like see a moment of weakness in in an enemy's guard or you know uh like the a piece of a monster peels back revealing this like weak spot when the armor gets exposed and so it it sounds to me like you agree with the rat king um who uh, actually would love to read this tiny little bit of flavor text that's in the book as well. Uh, the Rat King once asked me this riddle. What really is the difference between a hunter and a scavenger? They both stalk. They both strike. At the end of the day, bellies are fed and something dies. It was many seasons before I had an answer. I think that's, that, that is, I mean, that's pretty much exactly what you're talking about, right? Right, yeah, um, but I'm... Yeah. In, in, in in that idea and not to and i don't want to like get it twisted up in sort of the rat king trying to justify being a <laughs> no uh, of course like yeah. being a fuck you know just being an asshole um because i think that you can have those sort of stealthier characters that you know are not necessarily they don't have to be they don't have to be, you know, morally gray. Hell, they don't even have to like steal things. They can just they they're just when it comes to those talents, they happen to be gifted or they they develop them because those would be skills you develop as uh as like uh, a would-be hunter in a prehistoric society. So you know, make make a make a make a lawful good rogue. Ooh. <laughs> See, that's yeah, you know that's a no, you I can, it. that's it's it's viable yeah definitely and i want to give time for everyone to talk on this but we will circle back around to rogues in a bit and i want to swap first over to our segment unexplored lore uh the part of the show where we look at new and iconic monsters items or spells through the lens of plangia and see how they uh can be used uh and this week i wanted to talk a little bit about golems uh, the constructs that are uh, forged and made and crafted by those with the knowledge to make them. Um, and usually out of a myriad of different materials. The classic golems are the, you know, metal golems made of, uh, you know, iron or something in, uh, in 5e lore. But obviously we don't have those in Plangia. But I feel like we can replace that with many, many other materials that we can... Uh, we can think up and use at this point. Uh, we don't need to stick to uh, exactly uh, the the types of materials that are used in, in 5e lore. So what do we think of golems in their place in Plangia? Where do they show up? How are they used? So does anyone else want to wanna get started on this or should I jump off? You go for it. Okay. Yeah. Um, Wow, where does... So golems are really fascinating because at least in a, in a sort of a... a in a prehistoric context when you're missing a lot of the uh a lot of the technological the the imagined technological complexity required to create something like and the sort of in an iron golem you know um or or even like a you know all of the you know all of the different technology that goes into the creation of like a of like a frankenstein monsters-esque flesh golem um you're missing a lot of that there's there's a lot of that you don't have so um there are just from a from a standpoint of uh sort of assumptions 
about how golems are created and what they're made of. Um, it, it's it's really interesting. Um, you know, flesh golems, for instance, uh, are described as being bolted together and stitched together. Um, and, and that might be, you know, mechanically, yeah, mechanically, mechanically golems are going to remain the same, but their appearance is probably going to be in many ways far more grotesque. Yeah. Um, just messier, right? Yeah, messier. Like, like, you know, like flesh golems, for instance, are probably, you know, they're probably not going to be stitched. You, you don't really have stable. uh, You can stitch. Bone needles. You, 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 Bone you needles can, are you, your friend. You can, but you have like then you have like this like gristly sort of you have like really like gristly thread. It's it's not it, it's 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 more grotesque. Even even with oh yeah, the threading and the needles aren't as fine, and things are a lot more. Uh, they just look a, a, a little little rougher. Um, and I could see like a, I I could see a flesh golem being like a, a horrendous amalgamation of like monster parts that were like fused together um and then, that would you know, be really crazy made to <laughs> made to work through just just you know magic magic yeah magic exists i mean <laughs> on the note of magic the original i mean we can't really discuss warforged um in the book because they're uh, not ogl but i think it's we, we can talk about them here they were originally planned to be golems they were made out of fucking bones I think, <laughs> um, bone go- I love, I gotta love the bone golem. Um, definitely, like, you could have, you could play a character of Warforged bone slash flesh golem. Oh. Be gruesome as fuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ah, Jesus Christ. Um, but super fun. Like, ah, oh my God. Uh, also, like, plant golems could be cool. I think, like, there is a very old Tumblr post about, like, necromancy combined with plants to make, like, zombies that could run. It was really a long tangent. But basically, uh, like, holding together the dead with plants, and then the plants make them move. And also they're, like, animated. I don't know. Basically, golems can be made from anything that has a form. Um yeah. So make them make them out of everything. Make them out of plants. Make them out of flesh and bones and sinew and maybe wood. Or, I want to see, I mean, I wanna see like a honeycomb yeah. golem or like uh, a coral yeah. golem. Actually, wait a second. Not the bees. We, we, we have wait, uh, 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 <laughs> ice, <laughs> ice golem or something. Yeah, no, we and 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 we did I, those, right? Yeah, we, we actually did, have we both did, the glaciers. Yeah, golem. we both coral coral and golems and golem. ice golems. Um the bee golem is interesting though. Yeah, the bee golem is a really I interesting thought. I think I think the bear so like spell skins or other spellcasters in the bear clan would probably have like honeycomb golems that act That's as fucking freaky. Act as, like, walking, they act as like walking <laughs> tanks that can also sort of like Disengorge swarms of bees. To <laughs> Make it in the quartz uh, of a bear for some like really twisted. Oh, uh, that's oh, that's, yeah, that's, oh, that's, that's so fucked up. I was yeah, I was thinking I like more that. along the lines of like a little boxier sort of like mo- like madron shaped, where there's sort of like a honeycomb shaped head, and it's it's a lot <laughs> a lot a lot a lot less grotesque and a lot more like kid friendly than like right, the no no I think we have to bear corpse uh, bear corpse honeycomb golem is the is the method. It's like the stomach opens up, like it stands up, 
and then oh. there's just like a seam oh, straight God. down, and it opens up to like a huge okay. beehive. To be fair, we are doing some great brainstorming here. We should write this. <laughs> Come on, write this down. Write this down. No. <laughs> but that is a great. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, I'm, that's the thing is that I feel like when you're you're away from oh, why not just make it with better materials? Then you can get so much more creative and weird with it. A lot of the time, like you can just think of what is some other weird material that you could just like forge a a person-sized thing out of but, like uh, you yeah. know yeah like i and and when you when it comes to like reflavoring golems because obviously one of them is one of them is a lot harder to make and one of them is just inaccessible um like stone golems are going to be very difficult to make that said if you look at the kind of masonry and the kind of stone carving that like uh a lot of the like uh i think like incan and mayan civilizations did um their ability to carve stone was incredible um and, yeah. and if you go look at the ruins like you can definitely have like you know you can definitely have like uh these like sort of stone golem guardians in like these sort of you know in like the giant empires and the stuff, stone because, empire i was thinking yeah definitely they, I mean, be, they know yeah. how to do that right absolutely and, and yeah. maybe the dow and the quake waste probably definitely yeah lots yeah. of uh, lots of different types of elementals and golems and with the dow and the quake waste at least yeah. for virtually unkillable yeah i mean but virtually basically <laughs> all fortified all the time like they probably have them yeah. guarding their cities and everything and now i'm imagining then, like a, a huge construct golem guarding uh high walled akmon or whatever one of the one of the stone empire, you know, yeah, just a capital, a building-sized building golem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's definitely got to be a thing somewhere. But uh, yeah. sort of there, yeah. There's like a there's a gargantuan construct in the Odysseys of Theros book, the Ooh. Colossus of Arcos, Acros. Yeah, there's also Acros, one in uh, sort of, uh, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, I think. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, but 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 yeah. So like you know, I could imagine like an an iron golem instead being this like wooden golem uh animated by a uh animated by a druid and it's sort of you know it can have you know this like really really tough bark that is like as hard as iron without actually being metal and uh you know i'm sure you could make the poison breath thing work with the plant tree yeah. shit uh, <laughs> uh you know no, I think so, that all checks out basically. Yeah, yeah. In, in terms of in terms of swapping out materials and even you know just thinking about you know when you're if if you're in in the mood to make your own monsters and your own golems at your table, uh, you know don't be afraid to get really weird in terms of like the different materials that you <laughs> that you you know use because yeah. people people in Plain Geo live everywhere and they will use anything and everything to 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 create these things. So yeah. They get creative because they have to. Definitely. Makes sense. All right. Is there more uh, people had to put in about golems? Or should we get back golems. to our main discussion? Yeah. Golems are just... so fun. They're like one of my favorite <laughs> creatures. There's, it, there's, oh, there's, really? there's, just, there's such a great archetype because there's so many different materials you can make them out of. And yeah. them being constructs means that kind of all bets are off. Yeah, that's true. Because anyone can kind of use them, right? And yeah, anyone can make golems. It's like, oh, like those fiends, they made a golem, or those those celestials, <laughs> they made a golem. Like, oh, those any anybody, they're constructs. Anybody can make things. Yeah, because because constructs are inherently unaligned. I think, right? I mean, they're fully just they don't have a, a an alliance, obviously, because they're made fully. So, like, obviously, they just 
do what they're told. And therefore, you know, if they're following whoever they're made by, that means they can be made by anyone and can do, serve any purpose, good or evil or in between. So yeah, no, that's a good point. It's wonder wonderfully versatile, all these golems. I don't I don't want to hold this up, but there there well, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Go the Warforged. It. Um and the idea that we had before we remembered that wait we wait we can't put that in the book um but what it was about was um going back to what the warforged were made of and sort of they were being these uh you know beings made of like clay and mud and, and bone and sort of they would be uh you know they would be made more personable and and look more uh human or or i guess mortal um by you know like having like face plates that were like painted or carved to resemble a face um but it was this idea that like you could create this uh you could create this like doll that would essentially serve as like a vessel and you could take the spirits and souls of the the, the loved one or others who had died in a clan and you could undergo this ritual to like pour them into a new body and there are that's a little grotesque and uh, it gets like a little bit into it like veers into the the area of like the 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 ethical moral quandary of um like what happened in like full metal alchemist where a kid gets trapped in a suit of armor um but like just as a as a character option that seems uh now that seems really fun and if you want to have a fresh character uh from that perspective like maybe something went wrong during the transfer maybe this vessel got created and then something happened and the vessel was lost and it was gone for decades until something died near it and sort of the soul seeped into it so or or maybe who knows maybe like ambient magic just like caused this this new life with no memories of any sort of past to to inhabit the to inhabit the inside and cause it to to you know to become a living thing um a lot of lot of really interesting options there that are that are just very fun and sort of totally open-ended and not forcibly tied to any specific origin yeah yeah wish we could put any of that in the book <laughs> but, i know i know, I know. Yeah. no but it's good it's good definitely all right well on that uh thank you all for that fun talking about golems with you uh let's hop back to talking about martial classes uh because we have more to talk about for sure on them uh a couple of things i wanted to cover uh on this second part of our discussion uh first was kind of that there are all these kind of factions that have uh certain certain marshals as part of them for sure uh one of the big ones being scavengers vow um which I, we were most recently talking about rogues. So maybe we can go back to rogues now and talk about this organization led by the figure who I mentioned before called the Rat King. Um, I have actually long been fascinated with the Scavenger's Vow. Um, I want to write an adventure that I guess I shouldn't tease too much, but because I might actually eventually write it, that uh, kind of features uh, a, a the prominent... Uh, uh, area in which you can usually find many scavengers vow which is in uh nebis uh no wait sorry that's not the scavengers vow am i getting uh, confused now ne so nebis uh, has scavengers in it yeah ne edge gather so there are scavengers Where is the vow, rat king? i'm getting confused. well i mean they're about they're, they're like <laughs> they have vow they have a like, place in nebis but that's not nebis. where the that's not where the scavengers vow yeah. kills 
Scavengers okay. Vow has their own, they have like their own woods that they hang out in. Um, I think they hang out in the, they like hang out in a forest full of werewolves. It's, is that it's the cutthroat my, woods or something? No, that's a that's a different forest, believe it or not. Different like, forest full of cutthroats, not scavengers. Well, no, yes, believe it or not, believe it or not, also jail. Um, no, but, <laughs> more but, scavengers. Um, yeah, so, so scavengers now is sort of like um, they're they're sort of like the they're like the rogue Illuminati. Yeah. Um, they're like a they're like a super thieves guild. They're like they are the thieves guild, and they are yeah. everywhere. Um, yeah. So if you associate with them and you don't, you don't like, you know, you, if you associate with them and you don't make them happy, um, by paying the tithe, is they will, yeah, got to pay the and tithe. And the tithe is, is a, yeah, the tithe is a portion of your loot that is, uh, that is basically given as tribute to the Rat King, who is sort of this enigmatic leader of this group. Um, they'll, they'll just send assassins. And there's this, and there's this other whole thing just... where if you like don't betray people, then they don't, they won't, then they won't trust you. <laughs> it's like backstabbing <laughs> is like actually part of their philosophy. So yeah. like if you don't like really like stab someone in the back, then like you're not you're not they're like you're not, what? yeah you're Are not you really? rogue enough. You're not yeah. rogue enough. Yeah, <laughs> a back you know, a turned a turned back deserves a knife, and if you don't do it, uh, you, mm, yeah, what are you doing? Out. Come on, yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, but but yeah, getting getting back to the locations, they can sort of be found everywhere. Uh, but you'll find yeah. them mostly. You'll find a ton of them in Edge Gather, which is sort of like this. Uh, it, how did how did David describe it? Like this, like uh, it's the um, isn't there a like technical? No, called it New Orleans. Like I think. yeah, like Technicolor Fever Dream, like London slash. New Orleans. New Orleans. It's <laughs> and which is like a it's crazy. There's it's a like, lot of yeah, stuff happening there. <laughs> acid acid trip New Orleans. Um so yeah. yeah. Uh it's which crazy. is which is a really wonderful way of describing it for those of us who are uh who are familiar with with uh with New Orleans. <laughs> um, no, with New Orleans, not acid. Not with that. No, <laughs> or mm. also acid. I don't know. Not <laughs> but no. <laughs> column A and column B. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, but... you can find a lot of scavengers there. You can find them. Uh, you can find them also in sort of that the floating city Nebus, which is the capital the of Bow the Shards. yeah, the Sorry. capital of the uh, Air Empire. Air Empire. Yeah, which is where that's where the uh, that's where the genies live. That's where the Jin specifically uh, hang out. And, no, uh, yeah, wait a minute, no, wait, the, wait the, the cloud giants, not the Jin. Nebus, cloud giants. Nebus is cloud giants, not Jin. You're right. <laughs> the gender further out in the wind waste. They're even the, further out. The cloud giants are just at at Nevis. And and the, the Scavengers Vows has a uh offshoot who hides in Nevis too, which is the Vow Shard. Yeah, and they're they're they, they are, are they're like running from the yeah, they're, and they're referred to as the rats in the wall because that's literally what they do. They they you know yeah. they're they're people sized you know they're, they're 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 people living in the walls of a, a city sized for giants and yeah. um there's like it, it is really cool to think that there's like an entire there's an entire world inside the walls of this this yeah. mega city that they're is big floating. enough for it to be like a yeah. full on like they have a base there yeah you can like have a you can have like, like a yeah. i'm sure you could have like a really solid like you know uh three to five levels of content in like an arc that just takes place yeah inside the walls of this like massive city that's a whole mini adventure right there yeah, i mean yeah definitely 
definitely that's wonderful so that's that's why i wanted to bring that up because i was fascinated by that and i always think that's super fun and i want to do some sort of crazy heist adventure set there because i think it's awesome but uh we'll we'll see if that I realize I, during all of that, we failed to actually fully explain like who the Rat King is. Who the Rat King is? Yeah. Well, he's no one he's, knows. He doesn't. You don't need to know. That's the thing is don't, that he's he's, the word. he's uh he's supposed to be mysterious. All I was saying is that he's all all I was saying is that he is the sort of he heads the rogue Illuminati, and yeah, he, basically. And you know, he, there is something that is either whether it's a rumor or rumors are true. Um, he's sort of it's said that he can he can uh, bestow curses or bestow blessings from you know from wherever he hides deep in the sort of most shaded parts of the uh sort of lycanthrope infested forest where it's, it's, he resides. I think it's the living lair it's called yeah yeah living, living lair. lair yeah he lives in a uh he lives in a section of the forest where like the trees are constantly shifting and the lair itself the paths are changing um, because of a, uh, because of a Dreus, who I believe is partially like melded to one of the like elder trees in the forest, and yes, via you know via like um, oh, what's the word? It's it's in the root. It's it's the roots. It's like mycelium. It's in like the the root systems. It's sort of the idea that like those are like have sort of become yeah. the Dreus's nerves. Mushroom Wi-Fi. And they're able to, and the Dreus is able to like shift yeah. the shift the forest and, and move the forest uh, as if it were an extension of their own body. Yeah. Which you want to gamify that too, which you don't need to, awesome. but if you want to think of it like a druid grove type magic where there's like this crazy uh like, you know, grasping roots all the time if you try to make it in or there's gusts of wind or there's fog or these all these types of things that will you know the trees will wake up and attack you things like that yeah. so that's what the yeah, the drace is basically it's this thing where like there is this there is this intelligent person who is watching if you're trying to get into the forest there's an intelligent person watching you yeah. all the time and if you're and if you do try to get in, get in and they don't want you to get in um, like you. the land itself and the lair itself will sort of rebel and try to force you out, which is a, a really interesting thought. You're like, you, yeah. it's hard to fight against, like, <laughs> fight against the land itself is is a is a, it's yeah. a sort of a, a very interesting uh, it's a, very a really interesting threat and really interesting encounter because you can't just hit it until it stops moving yeah. which you is you find the source <laughs> yeah exactly and then do it, so, which yeah, i think is fascinating it's like a yeah. race against time almost for a little while yeah, yeah and, and honestly like a, cool. if you want to if you want to create like a like a a moving mega dungeon where oh, like God. The pathways oh, change and you're like really into doing like the mapping and you you know and you want to oh jeez i kind of want to do that now but oh no but if you're into He's that sort ideas. of thing um yeah that's like a that's like a perfect like in it's like the the explanation and all the justification is like baked in you yeah. know which is fantastic um yeah perfect setup for adventures yeah. yeah well okay i think we've talked enough about the scavengers vow they're they're the classic scavenger uh faction slash threat probably not threat they're not really out they're to like faction. conquer the world yeah, they're a faction. faction yeah another faction though that we should definitely cover uh, that would probably uh, contain a bunch of fighters and barbarians, a lot of these martial classes, is the Venom Guard. Um, the people who protect Edgegather, essentially. Um, they're uh, basically those who go and venture down into the Venom Abyss 
um, and slay monsters, but also those who stay at <laughs> Edge Gather and guard the edge of from the monsters that come up the the waterfall, the the unfalls that go up into Edge Gather proper. Uh, so they are badasses. I mean, they they don't mess around. They they're all uh, seasoned hunters. They are uh, you know they, serious a serious group. Think of the um, what's it? There's definitely like a group in Skyrim that I'm thinking of that I feel like they evoke, but I'm now blanking on the name of them. But uh, oh, and actually that does remind me of it because there's definitely like a group in Skyrim called the Red Guard. Yeah, probably the companions but now i'm getting confused because no the red guard the red guard are, are a people yes but now i'm getting confused because in Plagia, the the leaders of um of the venom guard are called the red guard <laughs> that's yes. why i'm getting confused but the leaders of the venom guard the red guard are these you know a, a party of people basically a a, a adventuring party <laughs> um they have uh you know a, a an amalgam of of uh people fighting with them in that uh hunting party essentially but they're basically a a, a party of, of of adventurers and yeah the, this venom guard is is you know they're the people that go and get stuff done for edge gather they're not just like the city guard you know they're not just like oh yeah no i guess they hired some people to get in the venom guard like they're they're serious they they know what they're doing they they work with the the city and they they constantly go out and hunt to protect it uh they their their main goal is to eliminate threats to the city um and they they come out and they do hunting parties and they come back to edge gather and they're based in edge gather i think is a, a great like kind of legendary you know it's great to have that like legendary party of uh of companions of of heroes that is kind of out there already just so it doesn't feel weird that there's only the PCs that are the only heroes that have ever existed in Plangea. Like, it's nice to have... Oh, yeah, no, there's other adventurers out there. They're just busy protecting Edgegather, which is a pretty big job. I mean, it's not easy, right? They they need to go and do that. It's not like they can handle what y'all are handling in your adventures. So, Yeah, I mean, it, on the flip side of that, the sort of the red guard and the the venom guard could sort of be that faction of like the sometimes uh dungeon masters and and you you can sort of there can be the struggle to like think about like where do i put those like those other like really uh high powered uh like people right like the you know like how like you know, for instance, like it's pretty easy to to be like, all right, well, he's you know he's like the archmage of this city, or he's like the the grand wizard of, uh, of you know and, and you know you know casters. That's great. You can sort of slot them in as these like very singular uh, characters who like you know the excuse that they have for not running around and solving all of the world's problems is that they're too like self absorbed and like <laughs> pondering their orbs or whatever. Um, you know, which is fair, um, but like, I also would that, wander my orb. Yeah, if I had the chance. But that, I would definitely do that, that archetype of like high, high very, very high-powered uh, sort of like former adventurers. You don't see that as much. Um, like generally speaking, you don't see many of them as many of them. Uh, you know, for like fighters or barbarians or rogues or uh, monks is like a half and half thing because monks can like sort of 
monks sort of fall into the bin of pondering their orb, except that they're just meditating. Um, <laughs> they're pondering something. They're, they're pondering something. Um, but, you know, if, if you're wondering, it's like, man, where do I put this, like, like 20th level, like, blade master fighter who is, like, you know, uh, famous for killing X, Y, and Z and, and saving, uh, you know, town or settlement a or b like during you know a time that has come and gone um the venom guard is perfect for that and uh -huh. because you can just sort of they're they're in the world they're actively tackling problems that you sort of can be aware of but don't have to worry about so you can you can involve them um you can involve them in the story and that's fantastic because i think it's really interesting but also uh plangia is this world where dangers are around every corner and they're always new dangers are always are always cropping up and like you know even even peace is only relative just because of the nature of the world um you know there's always a bigger fish who's trying to come eat you so um in terms of having them around as a setting piece and you know it's easy to explain like Oh yeah, no, they're they're busy dealing with this other problem that isn't your responsibility right now. You need to focus on what you can do while they're off, you know, saving Edge Gather for the nth time. But you're also saving Edge Gather at the same time on a different prong. So it's like it, it's a very nice way to it's a very nice way to sort of slot in those high-powered characters in a way that makes sense and doesn't break the doesn't break the immersion by sort of bringing up the questions of like why aren't these people doing this in my stead you know why aren't they why how why have why hasn't this problem been solved yet by these people who are like a bunch of like demigod level 20s who are clearly more capable than our like level <laughs> four party yeah no that makes sense it's a good in-world explanation for it basically. yeah yeah that was that was yeah that was really long-winded for getting there but basically <laughs> yes uh what you said to the world description for sure no that's great um uh and i i definitely love that we're spending time on this because these are some definitely interesting factions that you'd want to consider your your character's involvement with uh when you think about playing one of these martial classes either a scavenger or barbarian or ascetic or a fighter but i did want to cover a little bit of um some things that in in the book as well. Uh, some of these subclasses that we've put together, um, one for the ascetic and one for the barbarian. Um, we have the way of abnegation and the far striker. Sorry, the way of abnegation for the ascetic and the far striker for the barbarian. Um, I really do think both of these do fill a really interesting niche in Plangia, and especially kind of uh, lend themselves more to the i to the kind of like concept that we've been talking about for the classes in Plangia, like especially the way of abnegation it kind of is more uh leaning into the the self-denial aspect of being an ascetic um it's all about this kind of re reducing damage this kind of making sure you're cutting yourself off from your bodies and needs all these sorts of things i i love this this subclass i think it's super interesting we got to see in one of our actual plays a little while back i think the shell shrine one uh, someone play testing it. I haven't seen it. Uh, it play tested myself and other things yet, but I'm really excited to see uh, what people think of it when the book comes out. Especially, um, 
I think I think there's a bunch of really fun features here, especially. I mean, it changes a lot of how Monk plays, I feel like. Uh, slightly more defensively, or I guess it's significantly more defensively, where a lot of the time I think that aesthetics and you know monks in 5e, they have a hard time. I mean, they can be hard to hit, but they have a hard time actually like taking damage if they do get hit. because uh, you know, <laughs> they're not they're not they're not a D10 hit die type of class. I mean, of a of a martial like in your face class, they're they're squishy. <laughs> they have a D8 hit die. That, that's not a whole lot. Normally, don't focus a ton on constitution. Usually, I mean, that's not really their thing. They already need all their points in dex and wisdom and everything. So it's difficult to tank damage. It's difficult to actually get in someone's face and and do that. And this is what this subclass does. I mean, it has its level. This immediate level three feature is. Uh, when you're hit by a melee weapon attack, you can make your reaction to reduce the damage of that attack. Um, and you can spend a key point to uh, make a melee attack back at them. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting implications to this. I mean, you can cons- consistently get up there and spend your reaction at least, but and reduce the amount of uh, you know HP you're you're losing right as you get up in the battle. I mean, you probably still take some. You're not reducing all of it still. The, the same kind of thought as the deflect uh, missiles feature that the rogue, the monk already gets at a higher level. But um, the idea is that the monk can actually get up there and reduce some damage and still stay in the fight, as opposed to getting up and hoping you stun someone and then going down soon after? Or <laughs> running? I don't know. Uh, that sometimes happens uh, with monks in, in normal play, so... Yeah, I, the, I love this this subclass. What do you guys? The think? wave of negation, um, deflect blows is definitely very very strong. Just because uh, immediately what you'll notice is like if you just if you sit down with the number of monsters in the monster manual that have if it, it just you go down you count through all of them and you look at the number of melee attacks versus the number of range attacks. Generally speaking, um, just it's it's just. <laughs> on its own, just sounding like it, it's like, oh, it's deflect missiles for melee attacks. That's, you know, that's, that's, you know, that, I don't know how I feel about that. But then you go and you look, you're like, oh, oh, I get it. Like, a significant portion of all the monsters have far more melee attacks than they do range attacks yeah. that are also generally stronger and deal more damage. So, um, Wave Abnegation has, gives the monk a lot of staying power. And even though you sort of lose out on, a lot of the other cool stuff that monks can do in terms of um like just augmenting your utility um monk on its own even with like the core features uh, stands it's out just, as being just incredibly really versatile and having <laughs> yeah. this like really great toolkit for um being a being a martial class that is sort of like that is sort of like fighter ranger adjacent that uh that that is just like very very versatile versatile in a way that is uh pretty unique to pretty unique to the class yeah it's pretty wonderful that's great um is there more uh Finn or Ava that you wanted to talk about with the way of abnegation we're gonna move on to the barbarian I'm, subclass I'm just very pleased that we and obviously we're gonna be going from a monk to a barbarian subclass but I'm very pleased that we've uh tried to and i think succeeded at capturing a like durable monk uh in 5e <laughs> because yeah as, as was said earlier they're not a d10 class which kind of hurts but it's also monks are infamously uh mad uh multi-attribute dependent because obviously they need their decks 
and you want your wisdom for uh, your um, your stunning strike DC um, and your AC, and you also want to have constitution, and it's basically like you're not going to get up to twenty of all of those. And monks also want feats if they if you're playing with feats. Um, so having a subclass that allows some more endurance uh without having to just rely on all right get the highest ac you can get get the most health you can get is fun because yeah uh monks can can dish out some some damage or control but you'll find yourself in the middle of a uh in, in the middle of a fight and be like oh this is a bummer um and unless you have uh something like mobile you're you're you'll be expending key to disengage out because um of all the attacks of opportunity that everybody can take so you so as much as monks have the speed to get in and out in theory it's harder to get in and out when you're provoking attacks and being able to get in and just sit there is something that monks maybe in theory want to do but in practice will get hurt for so it's cool that we're we're offering a way for you to get in there and say like yeah i'm a monk i'm a i'm an ascetic and i'm not going down without a fight <laughs> yeah i love that it's wonderful. And speaking of that, uh, kind of finding a new niche for the class, uh, the Barbarian subclass that we have, the Far Striker, uh, really does also feel like it starts to, you know, allow you to play the class in a different way from the normal stereotypical way that you might try to play a, a Barbarian, which is that thrown weapons are awesome. Uh, being the big guy who, who shot puts things at people instead of uh, walking up and, and whacking them is very cool. <laughs> it is very fun. It is just crazy. Um, and we did our best to see how we can like actually have this uh, have have the barbarian incentivized to stay back and instead just fling a massive weapon at his at his uh, enemies. Uh, I, I think it's in a really cool spot, especially with uh, it embodying this kind of like mobile, kind of all around the battlefield type, like menace <laughs> type play, where you're, <laughs> you're really being obnoxious. I mean, you can hurl enemies, you can hurl your allies, you can throw your your you know melee weapon that doesn't have a thrown property. You could just throw it anyway. Uh, it's got some hilarious features. I'm so into this subclass. I think it's yeah, we. We yeah, and, and we and we had some trouble with Far Striker. Um, yeah, that that's a subclass that has gone through several revisions because yeah, oh, the iteration. Um, yeah, you know you have it's it's difficult to sort of gauge the it's difficult to gauge balance um, when you're <laughs> spoiler making classes and subclasses not easy. Uh, <laughs> to things being balanced um it's a lot of work yeah and and so one of the things that that came up is that when we first created it we were thinking about like well what is barbarian's weakness and and one of barbarian's big weaknesses is like like you know mental saves sure but their other thing is like they're very melee oriented they can't like the that that ranged that ranged aspect that ra that dimension of like if you're just like against a flying enemy it's like you're fucked like you you like you just you can't get them unless you can like high jump 40 feet and, and grapple them which is you know that's that's legit but um <laughs> that's legit and 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 you know it's it's the sort of thing it's like yes that's not like that is intentional that a barbarian is supposed to be hampered in those sorts of situations and, and getting distance is supposed to be a way to 
uh, provide a challenge to that character, but it's not really a fun challenge because there's it just it just feels bad you're like standing on the ground you're raging you're looking up at a thing you can't reach and you've like you've just run out of javelins it's like oh sorry buddy you only have three on you like you just stand there just like twiddling your thumbs <laughs> looking around um and and well that might be from a well that might be intended by the by the writers from a balanced perspective i don't think it's fun yeah so we tried to sort of think about what would make the what would sort of break what would be unique and interesting and distinct and flavorful and uh give the class a sort of niche identity that is a little different from all of the other subclasses so uh we had a few revisions a few ideas um ranged barbarian came up more than once and that was, i think that was something we decided on we wanted to to be ranged oh, yeah. in some way yeah. um and I think of like the first few were like this idea of like a uh, like supernatural wind, and you sort of like had the you sort of like had the 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 power of the storms and the in the in the gale force winds at your beck and call, and and we talked a bit about how you know like that's cool, but like I don't think we can really like the flavor for it was sort of like hand wavy and not super nailed down, and it yeah. stepped on the toes of Storm Herald a little bit. And we didn't want to um, lean too far into the magic-y part of it. Yeah, yeah, do. because one of the one of the things about lots of barbarians is like, you know, no magic. This is all this grade A, hundred percent beef. You're like, <laughs> okay. Um, so it just ended up being more so about like you're just you're very precise and you throw all your stuff very hard. Um, um, so it, that's. <laughs> I know, and and it's funny, but like it sort of. Uh, no, at first not, it was not... at first it was just thrown weapons, and it it sort of didn't feel very strong. And there were some, you know, we we play tested it, and and you know, one of the things that came up was like, well, why would I throw my weapon as a tank class when I could just front line for my squishier teammates mm -hmm. and attack in melee and lose nothing? Like, yeah, you know. Well, and that's the thing is that hopefully the way that we've made it here, the idea is that you can, you can still get up there and be in melee and do the thing that the tank does and take hits for people, which in theory you should also be doing actually. But generally the idea is you cannot, you not only have that, you have other options. <laughs> the idea is that <laughs> if your enemy runs away from you or goes up on a thing that you can't reach or flies away or something, again, you could still potentially reach them or you could throw an ally at them. Or you can go up and get in the fray and then throw an enemy back at your allies or something yeah, like that. You know, there, like there's, there's options and we definitely. like having options. And, and uh, I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of that sort of the, that thrown thing uh, in, in actual playtest practice oh, because I, I want people this, to report the back scenarios, on that. Yeah. I know, I know, definitely. Some crazy I'm, stories. I'm, I'm craving <laughs> feedback out because I'm craving feedback. It's like, I, I want to know. And, and it it puts the barbarian or you know it puts far striker in this like cool quasi like hybrid support role where they can pair really nicely with other uh classes and, and other class combos that isn't just a listen I'll I'll get in their face and I'll take the hits for you and I'll just like try to keep them like tangled up in a fight um you know now you can like you can uh you can throw your allies to safety uh, you can, you know, if like if, if an ally gets caught by something, you can literally run up and toss them behind you, 
and like you, you can, and then you can like rapid swap to being the frontliner. Um, <laughs> you can throw, you can throw awesome. your if you have other barbarians in the party, you can throw your other oh, barbarians no. at the enemy. Oh, that sounds amazing! <laughs> so you, oh, like, no. All the all far striker party is that a thing? Yeah, now? You, yeah, yeah. So you can, <laughs> this is this is a new iteration of the the old uh, peasant railgun rail meme. <laughs> oh no! You're all like throwing each other in a chain. <laughs> God. Yeah, you all hold the throw and you just like catapult someone 160 <laughs> feet. Just, yeah, um, they do have a, their feature is called catapult. You know, it's it called is, it, yeah, it, it is called sure. raging catapult. Um, yeah, that's so, yeah, yeah, it's a fun feature. But no, it's wonderful and it does just provide all these cool options. I really think uh, people will like it or at least have fun with it. And we'd love to hear your stories of. Uh, what you did with them <laughs> and uh, what kind of crazy situations you got yourself into because uh, it's it's definitely a, a story maker for sure yeah yeah and the the intent the intent of the class was essentially how do you was essentially introducing a sort of a a way to play barbarian that is familiar in some aspects and in, in new and fresh in others uh, and hopefully we've hopefully we've done that with this uh in the sense that you know the options available to you are uh they feel good to use they they feel good on the action economy they they feel viable even though they're not just like make one extra attack as a bonus action or once per turn when you hit something you deal extra damage um yeah we we were hoping to do things that were a little more interesting than that and yeah. uh we're really all very excited to see what you guys think absolutely Great stuff. Okay. Well, uh, I think that is pretty much what we wanted to cover with martial classes. But we should go to our last segment of tonight, which is People, Places, and Things, where we talk about one location, faction, or threat from Plangea. And tonight we're going to wrap up the show with the Whale Clan. I think we've definitely mentioned the Whale Clan multiple times in the past on the Clan Fire, but only in passing, kind of. So now I want to get into the weeds of who the Whale Clan is and who they worship in particular. So they worship Mala Longsong, which is a very powerful god, goddess, um, in Plangea. And I know that we have some people here who are really into uh, the Whale Clan, in, and in particular Mala Longsong. I know Ava had a lot to say on the nature of uh, Mala as a god in the first place. So Ava, why don't you take us away on that discussion? As gods get more powerful in Plangea, it's not necessarily canonically true that they all get less involved in their clan um, or less personally involved. But the spectrum that I see is like level one gods or tier one, that's what they're called. Tier one gods have to be super involved to kind of garner the worship that they are required to live. Um, and as they kind of grow steadily in power, um, Tier 3, and especially Mala, who is the only Tier 4, um, they don't necessarily need to be as involved. In fact, honestly, like with the Ape Clan and trying to keep Ko yeah. asleep as long they, as possible, yeah. you want them less involved because they they're such interact. forces. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that's super interesting. As, like, 
Mala is like the closest to any kind of 5e god, um, rules over the entirety of the scatter sea question mark. Pretty I think much, yeah. I think pretty it's, much it's literally the the entire scatter sea and yeah. the coast around it. Yeah, like, technically technically Mala as a fourth strata god, I I believe uh she can reach anywhere in the Great Valley. That is true. Um, um, but, but her she but wouldn't consider it her territory necessarily. No, like, right. No, but she is yeah. she is the closest to she is the being, the single being in Plangia that is like closest to omnipotence at a level that rivals like uh Duru or um like Nazaga. The, the Nazaga, yeah, the god of the, the no the, the the death titan. So yeah. yeah. Right. And that's super interesting, like because she doesn't use it. Um <laughs> yeah, like, she barely influences we, things. We that. see Twir, who I have oh so many opinions on. Um <laughs> who is like super active as a third tier god like is super involved that's true that's true um and i wonder like good gods maybe it's only good gods or maybe it's not but like the examples we have of gods are that as they gain power in plangia they kind of stop associating with mortals as much um but this also creates like a really interesting kind of dilemma for her worshippers because she's been around forever and she's just like, you know, if you're on the scatter sea, you know, it doesn't actually matter what you're doing. You worship Mala. Um, and so what's super interesting for me, at least, is like everyone since everyone worships Mala on the Scatter Sea and everyone receives, or not necessarily, but probably everyone receives a certain small amount of blessing. Um, I think it's like an interesting way that Mala kind of subtly can exercise power instead of doing like very big, I am God and I'm going to send you straight to whatever the bottom of the ocean um mala kind of interestingly has a power to influence things at large by kind of influencing influencing her followers well and I, I wouldn't necessarily say that everyone in the scatter she like worships mala definitely not in the same way right like right the whale clan which is what we're talking about here is the you know they're the people who are like fully like all bought in they are all fully supporting Mala in every way possible. They are all about uh, kind of fostering the same... Um, they're all about community in this way. It's written in the book. And they're all about this kind of like... Um, I almost call it like... Uh, just like It's almost like social awareness <laughs> in a way. <laughs> um, but like of like, oh, like helping people and like, uh, you know, saving people who are, who are out... Um, on the water and uh, you know making sure that they're brought in and helped and these sorts of things and like kind of showing mercy to people at the same time as making sure that they understand that like the sea is dangerous and it's not just Mala I mean like Mala doesn't under doesn't control every creature and on the scatter sea but like there's dangerous stuff in the scatter sea there's dangerous stuff in the great valley you have to be aware of that and kind of make your own piece with it in a way. Um, and I think that's a lot of what whale clan focuses on. I, I think there's a lot of 
fascinating kind of interplay that you can make between the whale clan and other societies in Plangea. Like when you think about, first of all, the other brother, brothers clans, not the other brothers, but just the brothers clans. Uh, they're obviously kind of like similar in the same way, like you were mentioning with their gods being uh, detached in some way, but still kind of very influential over them with their kind of uh, beliefs and behavior and all that. Um, so how the whale clan kind of feels like they're above the brothers is some, is very fascinating to me because oh yeah right because i mean they are like in a way they're literally like <laughs> i guess they would be more powerful generally right they so, are and i think be they have this kind of because they care about community and like are not really interested in like group warfare the way the brothers are yeah um it, they it, they're kind of in this elevated position where they're on the scatter sea which is kind of removed um yeah and they look upon the great valley and they're like damn you guys are like doing things huh <laughs> they're, they're a mess over there aren't they i get vibes of uh either big sister which actually would make yeah. sense for the brother clan or mother <laughs> i mean that's definitely like mala has a motherly um Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, aura how, about her. Speaking right. of that, how uh, how much am I allowed to talk about deep lore here? I none. None. Without David here, assume none. Yeah, there is there is there is a lot to that idea of uh, of Mala being that mother figure, and uh, that vibe is sort of that that sense that sense and that sort of the, that role as sort of like the the sort of keeping an eye on everything from a distance and sort of giving everyone the room to be people and uh sort of stepping into to sort of guide and sort of make small adjustments while doing her best to remain otherwise completely uninvolved um mala's mindset is definitely like if if there were a god who who was most dedicated to rather than the sort of the acquisition of personal power and glory and more so the sort of the 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 flourishing and the the growth and development of mortal kind as uh so sort of like as a as a predominant uh group of people um or as like a predominant group of creatures i guess um, yeah, I is... mean, she's definitely the oldest too. Oh, like she definitely, and uh, she, she, I think, I think she was the first. No, she was. She was the. She was like the. She was the first goddess. And is that real? I, I, th I think so. Yeah, she's definitely the oldest, and I'm, sure that's I'm pretty she's sure one of the oldest. She's she's one of the oldest. I think the there might have been other old ones who got nommed. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think I think she's I think Still she's alive. Like, she's oh, the last. Man. Yeah, she's the last of the old guard. So Fair. she has seen countless gods come and go. She has seen eras and epochs past or pass. Um, and you know that also can sort of contribute to this sense of removedness and she sort of knows being... a lot for sure. This yeah, this yeah. also plays into like plain cyclical nature. Where kind of everything can be lost under dirt. Um everything can be lost and, under the waves. Yeah. Right. Well, also, but like separately, everything can be lost under dirt in 
the Great Valley, but to a certain extent, everything lives on in Mala. Um, because Mala has been... I think it's fair to say that Mala has been there since the beginning of Gods. Oh, yeah. yeah um, probably, yeah. And so, even, even if the epic may be kind of lost to humanity, it's never lost to Mala, and that's super interesting. Mm-hmm. Mala and Saurians, because they're going I mean, crazy. She's called Mala Longsong for a reason. Yeah. She's been singing for quite some time. There's this this idea of singing and oral tradition and passing on to your children that exists in the Whale Clan, which I think is fascinating, and I've studied oral traditions before, especially. Um, there's the idea of the mother pa- passing on to the daughter, um, which I think is awesome to see uh, like kind of a full-on like matriarchy that's just done like correct <laughs> like <they're> just <laughs> like a like a good matriarchy instead of like weird sci-fi matriarchies that are like oh they're evil though or something you know like i don't know it gets done in weird ways in some fan- in fiction in other in other uh you know types of fiction but i think this is an awesome example of like how to do tradition and matriarchy and like actual like like uh passing on knowledge in a uh like you're saying a cyclical way but also in a like for growth way <laughs> like not a, right. not in just a oh we do this because we do this but in a way to actually like make your descendants flourish right the whole point <laughs> is to like sing and like raise them up and like have them be better than you were because you're able to pass on the knowledge that you have yourself so yeah this that. is uh, something of an afterthought, but uh, basically, in the Whale Clan, there is this. Uh, there's a there's a holiday every year, and it's the day that Mala returns to the surface to breathe, because the, oh, because it. she literally can can hold her breath for right. an entire year, and then yep. surfaces once, hangs out for like a day, and then is just gone for another year, back to the bottom of the ocean where she hangs out. Yeah. Um, Oh, and there, the there's there's some stuff that has to do with the bottom of the ocean that we can't talk about because yeah, it's deep there's lore. deep lore and there's a, a deep ocean lore that is yeah, connected. There's, there's some there's some stuff that we we absolutely can't touch on but right now. But I do want to mention, the... as you say that, Dan. Sorry, real quick, that there is a piece of art that was commissioned for the book that we got a sneak peek at for the day of whatever the day of breathing, what the day that she comes up to take her breath. Oh, that's awesome! Um, it's glorious. I can't wait until you all see it. It's in the book. It's going to be wonderful. Sorry, go ahead. Um, but one of my ideas was uh, sort of like this, this uh, a visual of going down into sort of Mala's lair and into Mala's hollow. And the deeper you go, uh, the sort of, you know, yeah, the darker it gets. But Mala is sort of this, uh, one of the domains for Mala is light and light in the darkness and sort of uh, guidance, and sort of this, in 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 that sort of way of being a distant light that doesn't necessarily aid you or 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 you know like pull you along, but serves as that constant anchor point, and that is the one thing that is constant, and it it will it will never move, and you can rely on it. Um, so, but but I imagine that 
the deeper you go, the darker it gets to a certain point. And then the closer you get to Mala's Hollow, sort of like bioluminescence in the deep begins to uh begins to like increase exponentially. And like down at the bottom of the ocean where there should be no light, there is light in this hollow. And um like I can imagine that with how long that she's been alive, you can probably almost like looking at um looking at like the different kinds of minerals and stuff when you like take cross sections of rock you could see that but for like the myriad of things that have just sunken from the surface and fallen down and you can just like see the eras like the the eras in the history of the scatter sea stacked on each other in these like uh these these levels some of them just unimaginably ancient yeah. oh yeah definitely yeah. definitely i love that that's wonderful yeah, I mean, such such an such a fascinating god, such a fascinating clan. There's so much to be explored in both the Scatter Sea and the Whale Clan in general. As they can fill this awesome role as either maybe a place that your your PC is from, maybe a uh, friendly faction that your party will visit, uh, maybe as just kind of a set piece. I mean, you could just be traveling through the Scatter Sea. And it's just going to be like, oh, there's a holiday going on right now for the Whale Clan. They get to see their god, and then you get to see their god. Like, you know, <laughs> that's that's a pretty big moment to be spectating. Uh, there's just so many options for for Whale Clan. I think they fit in so many awesome ways. Just like the Brother Clans have this kind of very well thought out, kind of like like uh, solid niche <laughs> that they fill of this like um, this not stereotype this like kind of archetype that they they fill which is the like prehistoric people who were just out on boats doing cool stuff making <laughs> a lot of uh villages and and uh either above or below water uh, civilizations some of them are are below water the whale clan has underwater uh uh triton you know, yeah uh villages uh they they're there's a lot to be explored there, you know. It's not not simple necessarily. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, is there more that uh, all of us had to say about the whale clan, or are we gonna wrap this one up? Y'all good? I don't. I didn't have anything else to say. Mala's just cool. Yeah. yeah. I sometimes. I sometimes imagine the day that will potentially maybe come when Mala takes. Twir by the ear and drags them off to oh. <laughs> a oh bad boy. place. Mala has, Mala has no hands. How would that work? Uh, well, you you don't even I, need to know. Okay. Oh, Which, that, that's <laughs> I, okay. Yeah, could bite bite the ear. Bite bite could exist. A nice. Like that. <laughs> uh, just uh, just like a, an at like closing thought. Um, yeah. like city side like catamaran cities. Out, like, oh yeah! Like, oh, facts! Out Absolutely. Um, like just that sort of in the same way that in um in the Dire Grazelands you have these cities on the backs of these impossibly large animals that are covering like vast, unimaginable tracts of land, vast tracts of land. <laughs> okay. <Yes>. Um, <laughs> the... but same same idea. I'll just yeah, like, wait, how idea. is this possible? For yeah, this how is big? how is this possible? Yeah. Like the sense of scale mm-hmm. for something that shouldn't be possible. Like it's just it's it's so cool. Um, yeah, I'm so into it. Catamaran City. That's Put the it thing. in your games. It it's awesome. It's a good write time. it down. 
Take notes, guys. Put it in your games. All right. Uh, do we have last words, Ava? Uh, last words? Uh, no. Could Queer be on Will Clan. Queer Could be on is interesting. Marshall, anything? Cause oh, here. actually, wait, maybe. Um, rogues, I think rogues are special in Plangia. <laughs> be interesting. Be an interesting rogue. Be, be, be not be not grain. a scavenger, maybe. Yeah, be against the grain. I I hear you. I'm with you there. I support. I that. don't know. That can be that. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Finn. Any last words from you on uh, Marshalls or Whale Clan or anything we talked about tonight? Uh, no, I just appreciated that bizarre uh, oil tangent from Ava earlier. That's a highlight <laughs> of the episode. Highlight that, yeah. <laughs> Thank oil. you for that, Ava. That was wonderful. Okay. Oil is delicious. <laughs> oil is delicious. Eat oil, kids. Wait, uh, uh, eat the right kind of oil, <laughs> or maybe we shouldn't give advice on this podcast. That's Don't probably drink just petrol. A, Do yeah. not drink petrol. Drink <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well, uh, with that, thank you all for listening. This has been the Clan Fire. If you want to learn more about the setting, go to plangia.com or click the link in our show notes. Please help spread the word about the setting by rating and reviewing this podcast and posting about Plangia on social media. You can find each of us on the Plangia Discord server. Love to see you there in chat. I am Havoc up there. Dan is Captain Feed. Ava hey. is Chaotic Good Neighbor. And Finn hey. is Finn. And that I is keep Finn it simple. For us. Uh, until next time, have fun and may all your attacks strike. Bye. Bye.